0: And Welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. My name is Ian McLaren, and I am your host. I am a former contributor to SB Nation, worked at The Score up here in Toronto for five years as a hockey news editor and... And proud now to be the host of this daily Boston Bruins podcast, where we discuss all things spoke to be as well as take a look around the NHL. You can find me on Twitter at ENC McLaren, and you can also follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. If you have not already done so, please smash that subscribe button on your podcast app. Each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed for you to download. Listen and enjoy. If you could also rate and review, that would be very much appreciated. Today on the podcast, we're going to review some news and notes from Monday practice where we had an update on Tuka Rask and there was also a bit of a scare with Patrice Bergeron not being in attendance. We're also going to uh, throw back to a feature that I had going during the regular season, which is a look at the Eastern Conference Power Rankings. Each team has now played at least one game in uh, qualifying or round-robin action, and we're going to rank the teams accordingly. And then, uh, as we do every day, take a look at some news and notes from around the NHL, some pop culture tidbits in there as well. But let's begin with our Boston Bruins, and thankfully, starting goaltender Tuka Rask was back at practice on Monday, and... He revealed the reason for his absence from uh, practice on Saturday as well as his inability to play Sunday's game against the Philadelphia Flyers. The Bruins netminder said that he had to quarantine in his hotel room for two days as he awaited two negative COVID-19 test results. The reason... That came up is because he had a cough and he clicked yes on the league's health app and all kinds of red lights started blinking so he was quarantined for two days. They wanted to do two negative tests after that to be sure that there weren't any symptoms of the virus. He said he had a little bit of a cough and was obviously relieved that it wasn't anything more serious. I believe the NHL released test results from... Uh, Phase four, I believe it was like July 27th to August 4th, there was over 7,000 tests and not one positive COVID-19 test in the bubble. So that's very encouraging and speaks a lot about the NHL's return to play plan versus something like baseball where they're traveling around and things are pretty much a mess. Rask said, at least I tested negative. I'm still coughing, but I'm not too worried about that. As long as the test came back negative, that's all I care about. He said, people have coughs, but I guess this day and age, anything like that can be alarming. Rask is now expected to be ready to play Wednesday's game against the Tampa Bay Lightning, Boston's second-round robin contest. He said, I'll be ready to go. It wasn't easy to lay in bed for a couple of days being quarantined, but just trying to catch up, get your legs back under you, and get ramping up again couple more games of round-robin, and I feel that within the next few days, I'll be back to normal. Prior to entering the bubble, Bruce Cassidy had already said that he expected Jaroslav Halak to play at least one of the round-robin games. So that's kind of under his belt now, and I would expect Rask would get the start in both Wednesday's game against Tampa and Sunday's game against the Washington Capitals. Now Patrice Bergeron was missing from Monday's skate and uh, Twitter uh, understandably was in a bit of a tizzy as a result, but Bruce Cassidy said pretty early on in his media availability that he's fine, just a maintenance day, and that he'll be back on the ice on Tuesday. Nick Ritchie and Andre Kasha were also available for the full practice session and both were on Interestingly enough, the second line skating with uh, David Krejci together. And uh, that means Jake DeBrusque was bumped down to the third line, which we'll mention here in a moment. So first line without Bergeron looked like Marchand, uh, Sinica and Trent Frederick rotated in and out with David Pasternak on the right side. Then we had Nick Ritchie, David Krejci, and uh, Andre Kasha and Carson Kuhlman rotating in and out on the right side. The third line was Anders Bjork, Charlie Coyle with Jake DeBrusk and Zach Sinishan rotating in and out on the third line or sorry, on the right side. And then Joachim Nordstrom, Sean Corrali, Par Lindholm at center with Chris Wagner on the right side. So a bit of a different look here with those two former ducks back on the ice. And, Coach said he doesn't believe Kasha will be ready for Wednesday's game. He hasn't been on the ice enough, and that would be a big ask. It's still two days away, but uh, while he wouldn't rule him out, he said he's doubtful. Targeting Sunday for him, getting more reps in between now and that point. They mixed him with Krejci and Kuhlman on that wing, like I said. Um, Cassidy also bumped Jake DeBrusque to his off-wing alongside Andres Bjork and Charlie Coyle. Cassidy said DeBrusque had some decent games with Coyle prior to the pause, and he likes Andres Bjork on the left side much better than maybe the right wing, so for whatever reason, he seems to find the puck a little more off the wing. I could always flip him and Jake. I asked Jake, why don't you try the right side today? Him and Krejci didn't generate much offense on Sunday, And they didn't have much going. So, you know, for the time being, for today's practice at least, or sorry, uh, Monday's practice, DeBrusque bumped down to the right side of the third line. And Cassidy said, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. We've got three really good centermen in Bergeron, Krejci, and Coyle. And the guys around them are all really good players. DeBrusque, Richie, Bjork. Wherever they end up, they expect them to take care of themselves we two games in, he said, an exhibition game and a round bin game after a long pause. So it's more about right now, every individual has to get their game together. Then the team stuff will come. Right now, he said, I think that's our focus. We saw it again on Sunday night where some individuals fought the puck at times. He expected rust and they're seeing it. And the quicker they can shake it off, the more they can say, hey, now who's playing well and who should be with who? In Monday's availability as well, it was kind of reiterated by all that A, the ice conditions weren't great at Scotiabank Arena on Sunday, and B, that the Bruins suffered from some pretty poor puck management and lack of execution under pressure. Brad Marchand said, You have to be really conscious of your decisions all the time. Little mistakes, especially this time of year, can really cost you. When you're off for as long as we've been, You have to be very sharp with your decision-making, especially with the ice being in the condition it is. I think you're going to see a lot of teams play more simple, chipping more pucks in. A lot harder to make plays right now. It's different, and it's going to take some getting used to. So all that to say, Bergeron should be back today. Uh, It was just a maintenance day. Richie and Kasha are on track to return to the lineup pretty soon. Richie possibly as early as tomorrow. Kasha on Sunday. And that will make for some interesting lineup decisions as to who stays in the lineup, who's bumped out. Looks like two of Stanika, Kuhlman, and Bjork might be on the bubble. Bjork seems to be pretty well set on the left side of the third line. So whether that means Richie plays on the second line with DeBrusk bumping down, um, we'll see how that shakes out. And we should get a better idea here on Tuesday, and especially on Wednesday prior to the game as to how that will move uh, or how that will all shake out. But that is the scene after Monday's practice uh, following the loss to the Flyers on Sunday. All right, as promised, let's now get to the power rankings for the Eastern Conference teams through the first few days of return to play action. you are going to split this between the top 4 and the qualifying round teams. Now, full disclosure, it's about 11:30 on Tuesday morning, I spent the last hour and a bit trying to track down a new charger for my computer. Uh, The old one is a bit fried at the moment, as one of my kids tripped over it, but for the moment, it is charging, so that's good. So I'll try to get this up as soon as possible, because there's a game that begins uh, very soon, and that will affect power rankings but let's begin with the number 12 team and i'm going to put the new york rangers in that spot seeing as though they are one loss away from being eliminated from the qualifying round they're down two nothing to the carolina hurricanes i believe they're the only team that finds themselves in a two nothing hole and you know they're one game away yeah from uh Elimination, and they really didn't look very good on Monday in particular. Their defense looks pretty lost, and they seem out of their element against a Carolina Hurricanes team that impresses without the services of Dougie Hamilton. And when he comes back, they're going to be even that much more dangerous. So that kind of kills my prediction of the Rangers uh, being a threat to go pretty far in these playoffs. So, Rangers, number 12. In the number 11 spot, I'm going to put the Toronto Maple Leafs. They play later today at 4 p.m. They were shut out in their first game against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So, I'm bumping them down just because they haven't scored a goal. They didn't win a game. And um, they are potentially overmatched by a... Much more talented team on the defensive side, at the very least. The Blue Jackets are very strong, forechecking. Don't make many mistakes. Capitalize on others' mistakes. And Eunice Corpusalo looked fantastic in net the other day, just barely out-dueling Frederick Anderson. I'm not saying the series is over by any stretch, but I'm putting the Leafs in 11th just by nature of the fact that they didn't score a goal and they uh, lost their first game. Again, the second game comes up today. At 4 p.m. In the 10th spot, I'm going to put the Florida Panthers. They also lost their first game against the New York Islanders. And uh, it was a close one, uh, to be honest. But still, uh, their 2-1 loss is good enough to put them in uh, 10th spot for the time being. So to recap, so far, Rangers, Maple Leafs, Panthers... And I'm going to put the Islanders in uh, the nine spot, despite the fact that they are up in their series. Uh, I'm giving the Montreal Canadiens the advantage just because they uh, are now in a best-of-three situation with the Pittsburgh Penguins and uh, therefore have a bit of an advantage just having uh, won a game. They kept the second game very close. And I think they've looked more impressive to me than the Islanders to date. So the Canadians, I'm putting in eighth by virtue of the fact that they won their first game against a uh, better Pittsburgh Penguins team. The Islanders in ninth uh, because they are one up in their series with the Panthers. But I don't really have that much faith in them long term. So in seventh, I'm going to put the Penguins. I still think they are a formidable opponent for the Montreal Canadiens and they will end up on top Uh, the Canadians are keeping this very close very tight um, very much in the series thanks to Carey Price who's playing like an MVP Uh, but ultimately I think the Penguins will overmatch the um, the Canadians and advance to the Stanley Cup playoff round as the fifth seed in sixth I'm going to put the Columbus Blue Jackets as I mentioned earlier they had a very impressive win over the Toronto Maple Leafs in their opening game. A shutout for Eunice Corpusalo, uh, Cam Atkinson with a bit of a soft goal on Frederick Anderson, but it was enough to get the job done. Their defensive pairing of Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski is one of the best in the NHL at the moment. And a lot of people were surprised that Tortorella went with Corposalo over Elvis Merzlikens. But the fact that they have both those options Uh, bodes well for them seeing as if one guy slips up a little bit, the other could come in and settle things down. And, um, yeah, I'm very interested to see what happens here this afternoon in game two. If the Maple Leafs aren't able to win, their season is pretty much done. And, uh, the reaction on Twitter should be pretty hilarious, in fifth spot, I'm going to put the Carolina Hurricanes. They are up two nothing on the New York Rangers. I was pretty high in the Rangers as a team that could uh, surprise and go pretty far, but uh, the Hurricanes have just looked very good so far. Uh, Andrei Svechnikov is a bona fide superstar, and they have, you know, a bunch of other impressive pieces to build around their defense. Uh, the depth on the blue line that they have is second to none. They have pretty much eight defensemen who could be in any team's top six. And once Dougie Hamilton comes back, as I mentioned, they will be even stronger on defense. Um, And that's uh, pretty scary. I, I was a bit questionable of Peter Mrazek in net, wondering if he could carry the load. But he looked amazing in game two, made a few very impressive glove saves on the Rangers. Uh, Mika Zibanejad comes to mind as a guy that he robbed. And, um, yeah, just keeping that Rangers offense at bay has been very impressive. So those are power rankings for the bottom eight teams. Um, And it looks like, you know, seems as though the Hurricanes, Blue Jackets, Penguins, and Islanders uh, are on track to advance to the Stanley Cup playoffs, although that could change uh, pretty quickly, uh, seeing as it's a best of three, and a few teams have an opportunity to tie their series today, notably the Panthers and the Leafs. So now I'm looking at the top four teams. All f- four teams have played a round-robin game so far. Our Bruins were beaten handily by the Philadelphia Flyers, so I'm putting the Bruins in fourth. I have not been impressed with their play, to date, uh, they've had some bursts of uh, encouraging signs you know, here and there, but for the most part, uh, they have looked rusty, unable to make plays, as we talked about earlier, and I really need to see uh, a bit of an outburst from them offensively, and uh, we want Rask back in net, certainly for Wednesday's game against the Lightning. It looks like Steven Stamkos won't play for the Lightning on Wednesday, so that will be uh, a, an advantage for the Bruins, and and they better take care of it. Honestly, um, to you know, just let us know that they are who we think they are. To be honest, so Bruins, I'm going to put in uh, fourth. In third, I'm going to put the uh, Washington Capitals. They were beaten by the Lightning on. Sunday by a score of 3 to 2. It was a shootout, so these two teams fairly even. Again, the round robin games, the level of intensity has been quite a bit less than the qualifying games, so it's hard to judge exactly where these guys stand at the moment. But, you know, just due to the nature that the Lightning did beat the Capitals in the shootout, I'll put them in third with the Flyers coming in first by way of their very impressive win over the Bruins on Sunday. That was uh, Michael Raffle, who scored against the Bruins, was injured, and it looks like he's going to be out for a little bit. And they have a very impressive prospect in Joel Faraby, who's going to step in. So again, they have uh, a very good mix of youth and veteran talent. Carter Hart is, you know, an all-world goalie, potentially. Um, and, Their defense is very strong as well. So, uh, the Flyers, they could be uh, who I thought the Rangers might be as the surprise team in this year's playoffs, although it shouldn't be that big of a surprise, seeing as they are one of the top four seeds. Let's finish now with some news and notes from around the NHL. And the big story on Sunday was the remarkable statement made by two members of the Vegas Golden Knights and two members of the Dallas Stars who became uh, following Matt Dumba the first players to kneel during the anthems prior to a game and uh, that would have been Ryan Reeves of the Vegas Golden Knights along with Robin Leonard and from the Dallas Stars we had Tyler Sagan and Jason Dickinson. Now I have been a big Jason Dickinson fan for a while. He's a lesser known guy, but uh, he came up in junior through the Guelph storm and won a championship with a storm. He was actually a guy that I was hoping the Bruins would target late in the first round back in 2013. But that pick was traded to Dallas in the Yarmir Yager deal uh, that landed him with the stars. Now, when it comes to Robin Leonard and Tyler Sagan, uh, you know, very impressive for them, seeing as they have not traditionally been guys that you would associate with, um, yeah, supporting Black Lives Matter or being on the right side of uh, social justice issues. Leonard, in particular, he has a history of, you know supporting Donald Trump he wore a uh, a Trump mask back in the day and has been outspoken on Twitter about these things now if you have seen his Twitter feed recently i think it was in may he said um, that he does no longer agrees with uh, Trump politically and that he stands for human rights which is amazing to see Tyler Sagan has been Uh, A vocal leader when it comes to Black Lives Matter in the past few months, you know, taking part in a march in Dallas and uh, really, yeah, setting an example for other players around the league. And it's really great to see a former Bruin uh, doing that and just to see how he has grown and matured uh, since the time he was traded from Boston. Now, Ryan Reeves kind of led the way here. He had said a couple days ago that he didn't want to do it alone um, and that some of his Vegas teammates didn't really seem uh, to want to join in with him. But when Sagan and Dickinson caught wind that this was something he wanted to do, they uh, shared their support and said that they would do it with him. And then Leonard joined in as well. Reeves said, in no way am I trying to disrespect the flag or people who fought for this country. I have the utmost respect for everyone who's gone over and fought and died for the freedom of this country. That's not the message I'm trying to send. But at the same time, those people go across seas and they go to war, and families are torn apart in these wars for the freedom of this country, only to come back and find out this country isn't free for everybody. And I think that's where I'm coming from. Not everybody is truly free in this country, and I think that's starting to come to light a lot more. Tyler Sagan said Ryan Reeves uh, told him that he's been seeing what was going on in Dallas and that uh, Reeves and Leonard were going to kneel, and he asked if Sagan would like to join him, and he said absolutely, Um, and that's why he decided to kneel uh, in support of Black Lives Matter. He said he wanted to do something to kind of take the next step in being an ally in the fight against injustice, but he wasn't sure exactly what that was going to look like. The anthem thing crossed my mind a little bit and it was really when Reeves came up to him, that was an easy decision for him to make. I've said from day one, this is Segan, I support what's going on, and if he said he was kneeling, I was going to join. For his part, Jason Dickinson said I've got some people of color in my family. My dad comes from the islands. Um, it was an easy decision. I've been thinking about it since everything started. And if I would do that, and I was probably nervous to think about doing it on my own. But when Sagan said it, it was kind of a no brainer for me that I wouldn't be alone doing it and to support the cause and support my teammates is a no brainer. Now, Matt Dumba, of course, uh, knelt during the American Anthem over the weekend. And Reeves said he wasn't Going to say that Dumba kneeling was a deciding factor, but Dumba leading the way—you don't want to leave him out to dry, as some of, well, all of his wild teammates did. As he stood on the bench and raised the fist in the air in their next game during the anthems, the whole point of this, Reeve said, we want to be unified for the cause, and when you see one of your brothers do that, you want to support him, support the cause he's fighting for, and to align your mission. Robin Leonard, he said he respects everyone's opinion, but there's a problem in society these days. You got to hate the other person because they've got a different opinion from you. That's what the problem is in this world. At the end of the day, everyone's free to do whatever they choose. I respect everyone, whatever they want to do, as long as it's within the law. He said, I made a mistake once. I put a Trump sticker on my mask, something I regret now after seeing how divisive things have been. At the end of the day... This is not politics. It's human rights. It's not about politics. He said, I've been part of conversations and education and listening, but it's time to start doing something and not just let this be a news cycle and forget about it and do it all over again. Everyone should have the same chance in society. Everyone should be treated the same. I love America, but there's things that need to be corrected, and I think they have the power to do so. So it's just about willingness to do something about it. I shared the photo of these four guys kneeling during the anthems on Twitter and I said I was, you know, very inspired uh, and surprised, quite honestly, that four hockey players did this. Um, Pleasantly surprised. And I hope that it's a trend that continues as the games continue here during the playoffs. Hockey players, you know, they have a good chance to have an extended run here since they're doing it right within the bubble. And that extended exposure through August to September. Keep this conversation going. Keep pushing for change. And I applaud these four players for um, A, giving Matt Dumbas a support and his decision to kneel and to take it a step further by kneeling during both anthems, Two players from each team together um And yeah, it was really great to see that. Uh, some of you may disagree, and to that I say, you know, the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast is firmly against any forms of racism, and uh, we support players who make the decision to uh, support Black Lives Matter, and that's just the long and short of it. So that's it for today's episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Tomorrow we'll be back with a preview of. Um, the upcoming round robin game against the Tampa Bay Lightning, as well as any further updates from practice here on Tuesday. I hope you're all doing well, having a good week, and uh, we'll talk to you again later. Take care, friends. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves.